Welcome to episode one of the brand new Swatch of Horrors podcast. I'm your host, Memes, and I'm a former makeup artist here to share with you the horror stories in the beauty industry. This is not just another beauty podcast. This is a podcast that features horror stories in the beauty industry as told by beauty professionals like makeup artists, hairstylists, nail techs, and more. After you hear some of these stories, you just might have a little bit more empathy for the person who's doing your hair, helping you pick out the perfect red lipstick, or doing your nails. And if you're a beauty professional, get ready to hear some familiar situations and get ready to learn about how to navigate some of these difficult situations. And if you're a beauty professional and you have a horror story of your own that you want to share, send me a DM at Swatch of Horrors on Instagram or Twitter, and I just might read them on the show. This episode was previously recorded remotely in May of 2020. Swatch of Horrors. I'm looking for a nude or pink or red Welcome, our first guest, uh, who I'll say is like family. Thanks and, for having uh, me. We're going to call her B. And uh, she worked in the nail industry for a short time, and she has some stories to share with us, some of her horror stories <laughs> working in the nail industry. So, yeah, how, how have you been during this quarantine stuff? Honestly, it's been kind of like a roller coaster of emotions, because mm-hmm. at first I felt like, oh my gosh, there's all this time to accomplish all of my goals, and I kind of overwhelmed myself. And then... I think maybe like two or three weeks in, it started to die down and I was like, I'm tired. Like I, I'm burnt out. I started getting anxiety. And now at this point, I'm just like, chill, like just relax. <laughs> you can't build like million dollar companies and, and all these things that you want to accomplish in such a short amount of time. I feel like sometimes you put all this expectation on yourself and sometimes you just can't. It's just I mean, in a way, we're never going to get this time back again. But at the same time, you can't, like you said, do everything with all this time. I think it was like a lot of added pressure from like social media and like just seeing all these posts about, you know, if you're doing nothing with your time right now, like you're doing it wrong. If you're treating this as a vacation, you better reevaluate your life, (laughs) you know, and it's just like, dang. Some people need that vacation, especially if you're a recent graduate or which I know you are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just you don't really have to accomplish all of those things. What do you have to prove to anybody? In a way, it's a good time to take up a project or, you know, if you don't, then you don't. Yeah. I had to take some social media breaks, too, because I think with me, my anxiety came about because I couldn't control what other people were doing. Like, yeah. I know we're supposed to be quarantining at home and not going out, but then I start seeing, you know, friends or family 
hanging out with each other and going out and it just really upset me because I can't control and I think that's just the thing that I don't like feel feeling out of control mm-hmm. so then I get anxiety about that too but I think that's what's helping me is just letting go of what I can't control mm-hmm. so you know I just gotta not look at the IG stories or the Facebook posts yeah you know? a part of me is like FOMO you know like, of course, I want to hang out with my family and, like, friends. But then I think about how selfish it is to do that for other people. Like, yeah. probably, they would probably look at me like, dang, she's so selfish. <laughs> she can't do and this for society. <laughs> and it's like this divide of people who think this virus is fake or blown out of proportion or, or um, you know, people who are just over it. And there's, you know, mask shaming or people, like, shame other people for not wearing masks and then there's I guess quarantine shaming too which I do it in my head where I'm like you're Mm -hmm. not quarantining you're hanging out with your friends and yeah you're destroying humanity (laughs) you know (laughs) but I I feel like people who you know look at us like people who wear masks and stuff and they're not they shame us for wearing masks you're what is it Um, you're sheep yeah or like you're building into like people's fears and because that's what happened in in the very beginning like you just saw people slowly starting to wear masks i mean i thought of it too like why are you wearing a mask you're just making everyone else scared but now i think differently yeah i feel the same too as originally like when i would see somebody with a mask i would think oh great are you sick what's going on but i think in a lot of asian (laughs) cultures it's very common because they've dealt with some of these outbreaks before and Mm -hmm. it's just what I've heard other people say is, you know, a lot of Asian countries have more sense of community and where they just want to look out for each other. So that's why they wear the masks. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, it's America. I'm free. I'm free to wear the mask. I'm going to wear it because I don't know what I have and I don't know what anyone else has. And I know it's not 100% foolproof, but I'd rather have something than nothing. Yeah. I think that's the point. It's just as it's just a little precaution that you can take. And, you know, I think that's the least someone can do. Oh, I was just going to make a comment about like how, you know, healthcare providers, they're wearing masks for like 8, 10, 12 hours. And like, can you not wear one for 30 minutes when you're going inside the grocery store? I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, started, I started like totally judging people in my head. But also, too, I heard that some people have mental conditions where they can't wear anything around their mouth or anything, whether mm-hmm. it's like PTSD or trauma or or maybe they have an autistic child and they can't wear a mask. So I'm trying to like keep that in my mind. Like yeah. maybe they have something going on and they can't wear it, you know, and I'll just keep my distance. But yeah, yeah, I think I just have been learning to let go of what I can't control and not be so judgmental about people's choices and not be so frustrated. And I think, like you said, like just taking a social media break really helps. Yeah. I've been walking outside a lot. That really helps me feel like a human again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was outside earlier and I was like blasting music in my headphones. And I was like, wow, I'm like in a movie. Like a, I'm like an angsty teenager like in a movie. <laughs> I think music too is a really good outlet. Sets the tone. and You know what I haven't done a lot of? Playing music. What do you like to play? I picked up my guitar like a few weeks ago. 
it's like you know yeah. what I'm gonna like get back into it and be better because I haven't played kind of consistently yeah but then I just got like frustrated and like upset <laughs> that I like I didn't sound the way I sounded before and all that stuff so yeah I think that keeps me from trying to be musical again sometimes because I get more frustrated than I do happy about it but mm -hmm. goes in phases oh I know what I was going to talk to you about I go in phases where I, I like ice cream mm -hmm. and I'll get a pint and I'll go to Grocery Outlet, which I love Grocery Outlet. It's not an ad. They have really good ice cream there. <laughs> they do. And it's cheaper. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to pay. Well, I could pay $4 for a pint, but I'm not going to because I can get it for like Too under $3. Yeah. yeah. So I why would I pay? Outlet, grocery Outlet too. <laughs> it's like my favorite place so I go there and the one I go to has a really good like playlist it's like yeah. really old like anyway I bought this ice cream it was southern banana pudding something Ooh. and usually I like to look at the calories and stuff before I eat I, I don't know if it's just a weird habit or I really like to read labels and I like to read directions and mm -hmm. weird stuff like that so I was reading and it said like oh three servings of this pint um you know that's the serving amount and the calories were divided into two columns. And one was like the first serving is 300 calories or something. And then the, the second column was like the whole pint is going to be 1,000 something calories. They just put it there just to throw it in your face. Look at, I know you're going to eat this whole pint. <laughs> and this is how many calories you're going to be eating. And it's like a day's worth almost. That's so crazy. So I'm like. Oh, it's my ice cream is shaming me, and yeah. now I don't want to eat the pint, which is so easy to do. Mm -hmm. And trying to split really it over. <laughs> like if I, I get into ice cream, <laughs> ice cream companies, or I don't know who does the pricing, but they're super sneaky. They'll have like three tubs for like seven dollars <laughs> or something, and then each tub is like four dollars. And I'm like, I'm going to get three tubs. So I got three tubs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's really easy to eat a pint. So what I try to do is if I know I'm going to eat ice cream, I'll have a light dinner or I won't eat dinner. This is not like a weird diet thing. I just, <laughs> I just know that ice cream has a lot of calories. And especially when it's summertime, if it's too hot, I don't want to eat food sometimes. I just want like something cold so I'll have ice cream for dinner every once in a while and and that's fine I don't feel as guilty but yeah I've been trying to work out I mean it can go either way it's like I'm either working out a lot or I'm eating a lot and then I'm like the scale hasn't moved but I know my underwear is looser and it's falling off more so I'm like okay I know I'm losing inches but the scale's not moving so I must be building muscle and losing fat but mm -hmm. the, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert or anything. But so let's get right into the nail stuff. So tell me a little bit about what job you had at the nail salon and how many salons you worked at and your experience there. The first salon I worked at, I was, I think, 16 years yeah, old. I think so. Yeah, 16. 16. It was about. I was so young and it was a salon in the mall in my and I walked in there and I was like, are you guys hiring? <laughs> like no formal resume, just like I walked in there and then asked for a job because I was so fed up with like being broke as a teenager. <laughs> 
And so then um, the owner was like, yeah, sure, why not? So then I started working. Um, I think I stayed at that salon for the rest of my high school career. And then, you know, when I went to college, it was like an hour away from that town. So during breaks, I would come back and work. What would you do? What was your position there? Oh, yeah. I was just the front desk, like receptionist. Answered phone calls and like took appointments. Oh, dealt with money, like the cashier stuff. If you came in and asked for a pedicure manicure, one of the common questions that we ask is like, do you want regular polish or do you want gel polish? Um, Because not every technician can paint gel just because it's like a skill you have to work on because the consistency of the paint is like different there's like a whole science to it i don't know (laughs) okay yeah i kind of noticed i was trying to do a gel polish for the first time uh, because i have a lamp here and it was it was a lot different than your traditional yeah it's nails it's less runny and more thick no one uses like regular polish anymore Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've noticed that but it's just because it doesn't last like yeah at all you get more bang for your buck with the gel Mm mm-hmm so you would ask what kind of paint they want. And then so you, you were in charge of assigning the guest with the nail tech? Yeah. So each salon has like their own way of doing it. But this specific salon that I worked at uh, did something where the employees would come in in the morning and then mm-hmm. write their name down on a piece of paper in like order in which they arrived. Okay. So if you showed up to work before me, then you would get to work before me. Unless, like, you couldn't paint gel. And the first lady who came in, like, the first uh, customer or client came in and asked for gel, then if I'm behind you, then I would start working before you. So you are of Vietnamese descent, Mm -hmm. and you're bilingual, obviously. You speak English, too. So you're probably a real asset to the workers there because some of them, I'm guessing... And I'm saying guessing because I know from experience um, from my own family members, too, who don't necessarily know a lot of English. This is usually kind of their first gig once they get to the States. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So although my position is receptionist, I mean, I could have been a translator, too, because <laughs> I was literally translating everything for these texts, not because like they didn't they would understand Some of them would understand, but they wouldn't know how to communicate back. Yeah. Or, you know, vice versa. Say, like, a customer comes in, they want something really specific, and the technicians wouldn't know. Sometimes they wouldn't understand or be able to, like, reply, so I would just do that for them. That sounds like a lot of work for a 16-year-old. Yeah, it really was. It That was the first salon I worked at, but I worked at four different salons, so they were all, like, very different Mm -hmm. ways and like similar in ways but it's pretty common to have to translate for these technicians and like the technicians aren't the ones that take the heat like the front desk is like that's just the truth (laughs) yeah from customers and the technicians as well because sometimes they might feel like you cheated them if you like divided turns um, incorrectly or something because it gets complicated. It gets complicated. It's not like, so you're coming in to get a gel, gel manicure. It's not like anyone can take you. It's just like specific people who do gel. Like, so not everyone does gel. And, you know, 
dividing the turns gets complicated. It's like this whole... You're trying to keep it fair, but it, in reality, it's not always going to be fair. Yeah. But it's you're like, doing your best. You kind of have to analyze, like, oh, how many appointments does this person have? Yeah, that sounds like a really important job. Let's get into some horror stories since we have some background on what you did there. So there's one where a client comes in a few minutes before closing, right? This one's a pretty gross one. So if you're queasy, don't be eating. This is going to involve body fluids. (laughs) This is your warning. Okay. Yeah, so this is probably the grossest experience I've had (laughs) while working. I know you don't like hearing this type of stuff because it grosses you out. A client comes in like 10 or 15 minutes before we close and this happens all the time because typically nail salons close around like 7, 7.30 on weekdays and some people are just coming off of work so they'll come in like super late. But this lady, she came in with like three kids. We had a Froyo place right next door. <laughs> so they all came in with like their individual like cups of fr- frozen yogurt. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, whatever. Like um, some technicians were willing to stay and work late. Um, usually that's the case. And if no one wants to stay and work and we're about to close, then I would like say, I'm sorry, like we don't have anyone. So she's just like, I don't know. She's like kind of ignoring her kids and like getting her nails done and her toes done. And so then one of her kids, like I'm trying to close the register. So I'm like preoccupied, but I hear like splash and I'm like, oh my God, what is that? So I turn around. She's projectile vomiting. This child is projectile vomiting like in two, three different directions. Luckily, like the guy who cleans the place at the end of every night had already arrived and he kind of just stood there and was like, damn, like, like, I have to clean that up. Oh my gosh. And the mom was basically like, don't worry, don't worry, like, you're okay to the kid. And her siblings are like escorting her out and she's still throwing up on her. Oh my God. I would have died. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to. And the mom was so, like, nonchalant about it. Like, <laughs> like just getting her nails done. Like, ignoring the whole... <laughs> Living her best life. Yeah, I don't even... I don't recall her apologizing at all. Like, I'm, not like, I'm sorry that happened. I don't remember that, but... um. So she didn't stop at all? She didn't say, oh, excuse me, let me check on my kid? No. <laughs> and and the- how old... Okay, how old were these siblings? <laughs> At least the the kid who threw up was like not even like a child. Like she was kind of like a teenager already, maybe like a preteen, like 12, 13. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my God, are you OK? I don't know. I in my head, I was totally judging this mom for like not saying like, hey, wait a minute. Let me like take care of my kid and like take her to the car or something or like I don't know but the tech was just as bad the technician was just as bad because she just like went on with her work like just as like the kid was throwing up in the background she was just painting and like filing and I just didn't know what to do (laughs) that sounds like a nightmare yeah like that's definitely a horror story like that is my phobia I don't like vomit at all yeah it sends me like I, I'm not even gonna get into how badly of a phobia it is, but 
I would have cried and I probably would have like walked out and not closed the <laughs> register because I would be so grossed out. Yeah. So I, I know you mentioned when we were talking earlier, like you're questioning how desperate people are to get their nails done, even when their kids are so sick. Even this is just a specific example, but like there's many other times that I've witnessed like moms just letting their kids run around the salon throwing tantrums like they're on the floor rolling around and crying i think i lost you so we were talking about how nails can be therapeutic because that's where i like to go to relax or used to like to go to Mm -hmm. to get a pedicure and relax you know and i think people really value relaxation time okay their kids throwing a tantrum but to them i guess this is some people's way of just hey i deserve this me time mm-hmm. or they just don't care in general about their kids and let their kids do whatever they <laughs> want no matter where they're at yeah i don't think that they consider there are, are other customers that are trying to relax at the same time as they are and their uh, child is like kind of ruining the experience it's disruptive to business it's disruptive to customers that was gross. So projectile vomit. Yeah. So tell me about this story where you cried. Yeah. This was probably the worst work day that I've had while working in the nail industry. She, This lady was so nasty. She was just like yelling at me. But anyways, the customers are lining up before we're even like open. And I think it was, uh-huh. it was like some sort of holiday or something like that. 4th of July and everyone wants to get like American flags on their toes like for some reason I don't know (laughs) and so you have to be very strategic where you place customers say we have four small chairs and I sat the lady on number three and someone on one so they're not squished Mm -hmm. and then a couple comes in and I only have two and four so I asked the customers the pair I'm like hey like I know it would be ideal if you guys like sat next to each other, but I only have like those two spot chairs and there's like going to be someone sitting in between you guys. And they're like, no, it's fine. Like we'd rather get in now and just like get out faster. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Very nice customers. Mm-hmm. I put them on spot chair number two and four. And so the lady on three freaked out and she jumped out of her seat. She took her feet out of the water <laughs> And there was water everywhere. Don't Why was there? <laughs> was there something wrong with the water? Or I'll, I'll get to it. There was nothing wrong with the water or anything. <laughs> she was about to be helped too. So I'm like, all right. I mean, you lost your spot basically. Because she came stomping up. She took her purse and like came up to the, the front desk and was started yelling at me. She's like, how dare you? How dare you place two people by my side? Like they're they're talking to each other like over over me and it's just a bit disturbing and all this stuff and I was like oh my god like I'm trying to be really calm and nice and she's like I'm suing you I'm suing this place like this is horrible like this is horrible service I'm like you haven't even been helped yet I literally just like sat you guys sat down. her down yeah but she was just really livid about the fact that I placed two other people on each of her sides and oh my gosh, I don't know that's ridiculous yeah and then I blamed myself for a while because I was like I should have put her on four 
was Fletcher number four, so she like didn't complain. But you know, we can't predict these things. Well, she probably, if she complained about that, I bet she would have complained if you had to move her after you've already seated her. Mm-hmm. You can already see that. I offered <laughs> to like put her in another seat too. After she got up and was all like mad and stuff, started yelling at me. She's like, I know you were talking shit about me to those people over there. I'm like, no, ma'am. Like, I just asked them if it would be okay if, like, they were separated and not together. And she was like, no, no, no. You were for sh- You were definitely talking shit. You were saying rude things about me. And I was wow. like, yeah. And she, like, left. And I was so fed up. And, like, there was hella customers lining up. And I just booked it. Like, I left. <laughs> I left. Where work. did you go? Did you go to the Froyo place? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I no, I literally walked down the like the shopping center and just like paced oh. back and forth. And I was like, oh my god. And you're crying. Yeah, I was crying because like I never have I ever had like a stranger yell at me like that. And oh. I just it was already like stress like added stress to what was going on that day. Um, a lot of running around and this lady comes up and threatens to sue me for no reason. I really don't know how she would sue me or the salon. <laughs> what but grounds te- for a lawsuit do you have? Yeah. But as a teenager, I was like, I was still like scared and like kind of in my shell and I would never like blow up at someone. But now thinking about it as like later on and older, I'm like, wow, I should have said something like stood up for myself or something not like talk back to her scream back but like say something Something reasonable yeah like I don't know just stand up for myself which I didn't do but I mean it's a learning experience you know I mean especially as, as a teenager are you kidding me like anybody yelling at you who's a stranger I mean I feel like okay family members yelling at you that's no big deal it's kind of normal for some people but you know complete stranger and okay you're gonna sue me like I feel like later on as I learned how to deal with people I kind of became a smart ass and I probably at that later stage I probably would have laughed and she probably would have lost it and probably hit me if I were you oh my god how how would you sue like how would you sue that's Mm -hmm. that's hilarious yeah and she probably had some just insecurities about herself if she thought you were talking about her I mean yeah, I mean, it's I can understand stressful. from where, from her perspective, looking at me and the two other customers, like, kind of whispering at each other, whatever, she just had the wrong idea, and, like, I couldn't explain to her because she wouldn't give me the time to be like, no, like, we weren't. I was Yeah, it was already me. in her head. She already decided, like, that was her reality, and there's nothing you could have said to do yeah. anything about it. And you can, like, you can guess, like, she was a Karen. She was a total Karen. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them now. Especially, like, in, in the nail industry, <laughs> getting their, like, white tips or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so white tips are, are out? Yeah, they definitely are. <laughs> so... It just makes me realize as a teenager, you're crying in the middle of a mall because some stranger screamed and yelled at you. That's pretty sad. When you think about it now as an adult, how would you have handled it? Do you think what would you have said if you can go back in time? What would you have said to her? There's no easy way to like calm someone down who's already so like pissed off and like upset. But I would try to like 
have her lower her voice a little because she was screaming throughout the whole salon. It was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Um, it's it's probably not much you could really have done. Yeah. Besides just like agree with everything that she says because she would have agreed. I mean, she had it said in her mind. Like I said before, I just wish I like kind of stood up for myself a little and because I did a lot of apologizing to her, but none of it was like my fault or like our fault. But you know what they say, like the customer, quote, quote, the customer is always right or whatever. Oh my god, I hate Yeah, that. you know what's funny? I noticed in my experience, the more I apologize, the more angry they would get for some reason. Did this person get yes. more like Yes. Isn't that weird? That is weird because wouldn't you want to hear that? Or maybe they just got even more angry because like you weren't fighting back. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know if it makes you look more submissive so they keep going and they keep going just to overpower you and realize, oh, she's apologizing profusely. That means I'm getting to her. Like I don't know what the psychological reason is, but this isn't the first time where someone has told me that their experience, they felt like every time they apologized, the more they did it, the worse the situation got. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's listening like yes it's okay to say sorry but maybe keep the sorries to a minimum because some reason it just escalates things what about the salon and dash oh my it's like the dine and dash story but salon and dash or the what is it the cut and ditch or whatever for for hair salons oh really i I didn't know that was a term i think i've heard it once before but that's awful yeah Anyone who steals from hardworking artists <laughs> like yourself. Ge- just steals in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. After the service is done and they've worked so hard on your nails or your hair, say it took like an hour or something, like that's coming out mm-hmm. of their commission. And that's something that, you know, I'm not even really aware of how the pay scale works for salons. I mean, I'm sure a lot of every salon is different, but you mentioned commission. So tell me a little bit about the commission thing. There is no hourly rate. It's all commission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So even I didn't realize that. And plus whatever they make on tips, right? Yeah. Okay. So here it says that it's 40, 60. Is that real? Okay. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Whatever. But, um, (laughs) Yeah, so there was this lady who came in. She wasn't a regular. She was just someone new, I guess. And so she got her nails done, acrylics. It was pretty expensive. And she was really nice. Like, she wasn't rude or anything. So it kind of made me put a little bit more, like, trust in her. But she came up to, quote, quote, pay. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I don't have any cash. But here's, like... She already sounds like a scam artist. Yeah. And usually that's like a red flag, but she was like, here, like, keep my credit card and I'm about to run over to the bank really quick to pull out some cash and I'll be right back. And I was like, okay, I mean, I have the credit card, right? So like 30 minutes passes by. It's like a busy day as well. So I'm like, oh, shoot, this lady hasn't come back to pay. And so I start to freak out. And then I go like full on detective mode and I took the credit card and the name on it and was like Googling like crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, for a name or a phone number, an address, anything. 
And so all the numbers that came up, I was just ringing. I was just calling, calling <laughs> until someone picked up. I know, so crazy. Because I was like still young. I was like 17 at the time, 16, 17. And I didn't want to get in trouble by my boss, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so I called the number and her husband picks up. So what do you say when you're calling these numbers? Like, hi, I'm, I'm a teenager who works at a nail salon. Yeah. Like, what do you say? Well, no one actually picked up until, you know, he did. And But I kept trying that number because I was so confident that it was like hers or his. And so he picked up and he's like, or he just answers normally. But I'm like, hey, this is, you know, B from Ball and Blah Salon. Like, I, let's call her Sarah, like Sarah, Mary Smith. Mary Smith was here earlier and she left this credit card and she said she was going to go to the bank. I explained the whole story. She said she was mm-hmm. going to go to the bank and get some money and come back and pay. But, you know, she hasn't come back to pay at all. And this is the next day, actually. <laughs> so you called, you were, you got a hold of somebody the next day. Yeah, I told on her ass. I called him. I called the number and I told him the whole story. He was kind of embarrassed and kind of ashamed. He was like, "Oh my god, like I'm sorry." Wow. And this is like an actual credit card too. Like it works. Like it's not an old credit card. Like you could just throw away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So later on that week, he comes in. He pays for her and he's like apologizing for what had happened. <laughs> And then after that, I never saw her again. But that was just really crazy because I was super proud of myself that I was able to do that. And he never questioned how I got his number. So I was kind of wondering, like, what made you so motivated? I know you mentioned you didn't want to get in trouble for your boss. Like, what was the real motivation or or was that the main factor that made you want to hunt this person down? Because that's pretty extreme. I think... It was one fear, but like mostly anger because the workers there, it's their livelihood, you know, like they work really hard for their money. And if Mm. that person dips, that's their cut, you know, and I felt really bad for the lady who did her nails. So I I fought for her (laughs) because no one really deserves that. I mean, because it is commission. And what if that was a slow day and that was like one of three customers that that specific technician got, you know, she wouldn't be. That's a really good point. Yeah, she wouldn't be taking much home and for her to like just salon and dash or whatever we want to call it, um, steal from us. It's not right at all. Not right. So you're pretty much like advocating for them and fighting for them just to get their cut. And, you know, these these people work really hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, a lot of these nail techs are immigrants you know, from other countries um, and predominantly Vietnam, especially on the West Coast. So it's, you know, like you said, that's their livelihood. It's it's kind of cool, actually, that you went to that that extreme length and you <laughs> got through to someone. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> yeah, that's really extreme. But, you know, now that you mention it, it does really feel like you're fighting for a bigger cause, like you're it's someone's dinner on the table. Yeah. Like during my training, my boss, when he was training me on what to do when someone, you know, does that, like gets their nails in and just leaves, what he recommended was to just like write down their name and like whatever phone number like they left, if they left one, and how much the service costs and just pin it on the wall. And so then on the wall, there would be 
like built up pieces of paper of all these people that stole from us. And I'm like, like a no. wall of shame. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you going to do with this? And he's like, well, you know, when they, if they come back in, like, we'll know that they stole from us. And we can we're going to manually check every post-it on this wall. Yeah. And- <laughs> That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. I mean, it was, funny. it was funny because it was proven not effective and we were <laughs> continuously stolen from <laughs> wow that's i like that wall of shame idea it's kind of yeah but i mean of course i wanted to like find the person and like get get our money you know because i just felt really bad i never understood the thrill of doing a dine and dash or you know getting a service and dipping i never understood that like yeah dash on your service it's just so wrong it's awful Mm -hmm. it really do you want to tell me about the recent place that you helped out at as a favor where someone had a crush on you? Oh my god. I feel like every single salon I've been, like at least one of the male like technicians is always trying to like sweep me off my feet and like sway me with their Vietnamese and I don't know. What's a good pickup line? You want me to do your nails? <laughs> like, they'll ask me, oh, like, I can do your nails real pretty, you know. Say it in Viet. They want- say it in Viet. No, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> okay, right. what else do they say? Yeah, um, we would be made fun of because the, the other technicians would be like, he just wants to hold your hand, you know, do your nails and hold your hand. Welcome, thigh. <laughs> <laughs> Which translates to, you know, he wants to hold your hand. Yeah. Oh my that's that's actually pretty genius. Yeah. And Let then, me do your nails and I'm gonna be holding your hand the whole time and build an emotional connection with you. I know. The last salon that I worked at is probably like what, a year ago? Yeah, a year ago. I helped out like for a couple days while the person was out of while the um owner of the salon was out of town. And so over the course of these three days, this guy believed that he fell in love with me or something. He asked me to go out for sushi. He asked for my number. He added me on social media and was like, Did he really? He didn't yeah. he never told me that. Yeah. I have Are him you on friends his, with him still? Yeah, I'm friends with him on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> and he asked my number. He was, oh my gosh. He would say stuff like, hey, like, this is over the course of three days. So it was like not even. He was like, hey, I wanted to like text you last night and ask you to go eat like sushi with me. And I was like, <laughs> I live so far from. I had to drive like an hour to this place. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he, he lived, didn't care. No, no, no miles, no amount of miles no, or distance could keep eat. him from your love. He didn't like, I don't think he ever asked if I like was with anyone. He was a lot older than me, too, I feel like. Like, how, how many years, if you could guess? I don't know, like, 10, maybe? Okay. You know how these Vietnamese boys be? They they look so much younger than what they actually are. Yeah. So, he, over the course of three days, he was convinced you were, like, his soulmate or something, yeah. and he kept asking you, and he added you on all these. Yeah. He kept asking, like, to do my nails, too, and I was like, no, So, you can hold your hand? To. But then, like, he ended up doing them for me, which is, like, a normal thing. Like, 
when you work in a salon with others, you'll commonly see like ladies doing their co-workers toes or like painting their nails waxing each other's eyebrows did you tip him no i didn't even pay he didn't want your money he wanted your love yeah he wanted like physical touch (laughs) i guess i don't know and i mean sometimes i see the owner of the salon and she'll Mm -hmm. like bring him up She'll bring really? him up. Yeah, she'll be like, you know, come by and visit him. Like, he he'll, he'll, he wants to do your nails. Like, come by and, like, ha- get your nails done. Like, no, dude. Like, Fulfill the void in his life that you left when you were here a year ago. I know. I'm like, God. Wow, he's not giving up. And <sighs> sounds like he has a matchmaker at bat for him. I know. I'm like, lady, you know I have a boyfriend. I don't know what you're trying to do. So you've worked in the nail industry, you know, on and off for a few years and, you know, getting a glimpse of it as a teenager and then into your early, you know, 20s. I know you've probably noticed some issues in the industry or kind of just the culture. I know you mentioned techs fighting for clients. Can you talk a little bit about that? Not physical fighting. That would be (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) That would be entertaining. That would be another story. Um, but fighting as in like competing for clients, like a race. So say there's like two techs and they're working on someone. You can just tell that their work is rushed because there's a wait and there's people waiting to get their nails done. So they'll rush to a client just to get to the next one and the next one and the next one because they're pay- they're paid based off commission. So you want to like you, you want to crank out a lot. Yeah, and then. With this, I just feel like, you know, what happens to the quality of of the work? Service, right? Yeah. Are they even, like, doing a good job? And There are some people I feel like can work really quickly, and there's some where I've had rush jobs done before on myself. Yeah. And I just know, because I can understand, too, like, you know that they have another client lined up. Yeah. So you know they're just rushing through just to get to the next one, like you said. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is, like, the solution or possible better way for this not to happen it's it's hard because one thing one of my bosses tried to implement was like timing each of their session so if they were like if they were doing a manicure or a pedicure in under like 30 minutes or something he would like take note of it and Mm -hmm. and like go talk to them individually because like a good pedicure shouldn't take 25 minutes it should take longer than half an hour, in my opinion. So he was talking to them about the short amount of time that they were spending on the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know other salons will do, each uh, technician will have their own timer, like set the timer when they start it, start the mm-hmm. session. Like massages. If you get a pedicure, oftentimes it comes with like foot and leg massage, something like that. And sometimes like (laughs) the text will just like kind of slap your foot around and then like call it a day (laughs) i feel like i've had some of that yeah don't you feel like that um what i kind of feel like is a lot of customers are starting to like ditch these og like vietnamese owned salons like affordable cheap and starting to go to these like more expensive places for like better service, like better experience, I guess. Something that mm-hmm. the 
the OG like Vietnamese nail, sh nail salons don't offer. Yeah, you know those like fancy like champagne and fuzzy chairs and like... Oh, like the higher end salons? Yeah. That you kind of see? Yeah, I've noticed some of those too. Yeah, I've seen some in on Instagram. And I don't believe that they are Vietnamese owned. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. But I could be wrong. A lot of those salons are very appointment only. Um, it's like a very luxurious experience. It's not like, yeah, they're more expensive. So I guess you could, you like pay for what you, you get. Mm -hmm. So it's like a full on like just this whole experience appointment only. You can't just like walk in and ask for a manicure yeah. and get it. Yeah. Like a lot of times uh, when I lived in my last city, I I would frequent this kind of mom and pop OG Vietnamese shop. Mm -hmm. It got the job done. The, the price was great. Um, and the quality was really good. I really liked them a lot. And once in a while, I would go to these higher end salons. And I know what you mean. Like, it's funny because I think even when you mentioned these non-Vietnamese higher end salons, I went to one and it literally was Vietnamese owned. Oh, and really? what I think was that they were trying to make it look like it was non-Vietnamese owned, you know, mm. high, super high-end luxury to kind of lure people into that market where they're looking for that extra, you know, appointment only feel like you're mentioning, but you walk mm. in and it's, it's still Vietnamese owned, which yeah. I thought was kind of funny because I feel like I, I knew the, the, the market they were going for but still being Vietnamese owned, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. They also served you drinks. But the funny thing was this higher end place, I gave them three chances and I, I didn't have the right customer experience that I did at my OG place that I would always go to that was not as fancy. It was in the same shopping center and I preferred to go there, you yeah. know? I think like those very luxurious like higher end nail shops, they're like marketing towards a very specific demographic in that that is undeniably like very rich suburban white women and men. Mm -hmm. And do you think it has something to do with, I think you mentioned like before we got on here, xenophobia in the nail industry? Yeah, before we get into that, um, mm -hmm. about the whole like them marketing towards that demographic it mm -hmm. I could understand because they spend a lot more money and that means more commission for them yeah more commission for <clears throat> our you know for our people and in, in in a way that's good right yeah it is but then like you think about all the other shops that are kind of more like casual I guess and affordable it's like what it, what's gonna happen to them <laughs> like are people still going to them I don't know even uh, like especially after this whole coronavirus thing, which is something that we should discuss as well. How do you feel like the nail industry is going to be? Things are starting to open up a little bit more. And I know in some states like I think Florida, I've seen I follow some Instagram nail techs and they're fully open now. How, how do you think it's going to be like after this whole quarantine with coronavirus on our minds? I mean, I know there's a lot of people you see online, where can I get my nails done? I need my pedicure. Mm -hmm. Some people are just willing to risk it and just willing to just go and and pamper themselves. Like, where, where do you think this is going to go? Yeah. I mean, I would hope that the clientele that, you know, some of these technicians have would come back and still be loyal to them and 
continue to go to them to get their nails done. But the reality is it things are changing. And after this whole virus thing, I know a lot of people are starting to do their nails at home and do do their nails on their own just for the safety. And on the on the other hand, there's some people who don't even care, like you said, they're that they're just, you know, like maybe they think it's a hoax or like they don't they don't believe in this virus. They just don't care. But they're still continuing to get their nails done because you can't do acrylic. You can't. Not everyone can master acrylics at home. That's true. Maybe you I don't think I would want. To, I don't think I'd want to try. <laughs> I know, right? I don't really know. Uh, same thing with the makeup industry. I don't really know how it's going to affect business. Uh, I mean, I know with makeup, I don't think clients are going to be able to sample. So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, is everyone going to wear a mask in the nail salon? Like. Are these nail shop owners going to enforce any mask wearing or, you know, hand sanitation or um, even more so than before, you know, because. Yeah. And old habits, too, are hard to break. I went to get my nails done um, before all this happened, and it was a fairly new place. And literally, it was right when the coronavirus stuff started happening. And you know how they have the news on the nails in the salon playing yeah. like on the tv and they were literally talking about coronavirus and the techs that were working on me were talking about coronavirus and the lady was getting her tissue wiping her nose putting the tissue back in her pocket and then touching me with her hands she even like coughed on my hands what the and oh my god she didn't cover her mouth or anything and and not to say this happens all the time this is like probably the only time this has ever happened but in my mind i'm like they're talking about coronavirus on the tv while you're coughing on me and touching me with your tissue, like, I should have said something, you know, just left, but I just felt like I couldn't, you know, I don't know why. I think it goes back to maybe, like, this is someone's living, this is, you know, I know how hard these nail techs work because, you know, I'm related to some of nail techs, mm -hmm. and I know this is their living, and I don't want to make a scene, and I don't, even if I try to explain it, I feel like my point wouldn't be you know, wouldn't come across right because of the language barrier. And even if I could say it in Vietnamese, I don't think it would come off right. Yeah. So there's like, you know, old habits too, where people are going to realize, oh, I need to cover my mouth when I cough or. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I feel comfortable going to a salon anytime soon. Yeah. I feel you. I don't know. I think it's kind of like 50 50 out there. I mean, like, I would hope that. You know, because we have family members in the industry and they need to make money somehow and they need those customers. That's true. You know what I've seen on Instagram? Some nail techs that I follow, they were doing like home kits, like how to remove your gel hair. I'll drive to your house. You can buy a kit to remove your gel or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll teach you how to remove your acrylic. So I think, you know, depending on how savvy someone is, you know, you can tap into that but there's only so much you can do with that yeah i mean just to bring up like my mom she, she does nails i'm just gonna say it she does nails and mm -hmm. um she, she spoke to me about finding another profession or another like picking up another skill and she's already you know almost 50 and mm -hmm. it's just sad because this has been like her only skill since forever. I don't, and 
that's for a lot of Vietnamese people that they come over here to America and there's that this is like the only one of the only industries that they're pointed to. Um, there was a, an American actress, Tippi Hed- Hedren. Uh, there was a story about how she helped refugee Vietnamese women get into the nail industry because it was it was a skill that they could pick up mm-hmm. without needing to know English. So I think, you know, it's it's an easy, I don't want to say it's easy. It's a great way to start working in the States and not needing to know a lot of English, but over time you learn English. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's true. Like I've seen people who come over here and they don't know English, but as soon as they start doing nails, they start picking up on stuff and they start learning things and how to speak English and then how to start texting their customers. And it's kind of cool. Yeah. Would you say like you've noticed improvement in your mom's English when she started nails? Um, yeah, I would think so. But it's kind of different for everyone, I guess. Because she still kind of sucks. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, so mean. Or maybe she's like, you know, she probably understands more than she can speak, which I feel like with language that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, And she has like her clients' phone numbers and she'll ask me or like my other siblings to like text them and her clients will send her messages like on mother's day and stuff like that yeah so i think over the years she's built like a really nice like clientele loyal speaking of siblings uh your sister gave me this skin food foot peel thing it was like a foot mask a few years ago Uh i think it was a year ago and you're supposed to put these plastic socks and they have like the solution in it and you put them on for an hour Mm-hmm. and you know being in quarantine obviously I can't really get a pedicure so I'm like okay my feet aren't cute right now I'm gonna do this thing and hopefully all my dead skin comes off and have you have you used one of these before yeah uh it, it's not what you think it's like it's like uh what do snakes do they like they shed their skin <laughs> yeah it's definitely it was disgusting it was nothing happened for the first two days like Mm -hmm. I was like okay well my skin is still here but after a while like okay I woke up let's say the third day and I look at my sheets and it's like oh these little flakes and I'm like that's my feet skin Mm -hmm. and it's just shedding everywhere I go it's so disgusting like (laughs) it's on the couch it's on my sheets it's like recommended to like wear socks for like two weeks straight (laughs) I should have done that, but I didn't. So I'm like vacuuming my feet skin. You know, and it's not that I oh I need to feel yeah, I want to feel good about myself, but honestly my feet weren't cute and they weren't feeling great either. So I'm like, I needed something. But man, it was just shedding for weeks. Yeah. It's crazy how it works. But if you guys need something like that, I mean, it works. Amazon. It's just <laughs> Yeah, I think you can get them on like Amazon or I got the skin food brand one so I think you can order them online but and it's gonna be gross and you should wear socks yeah. for a while but did you notice like your feet were softer after yeah they are softer I feel like I need to do another round but like I don't want to deal with the dead yeah. skin again and I think you're not supposed to do it so often you mentioned like why do clients always think technicians are talking shit about them yeah I know it's become like a joke over the years like a stereotype or whatever where these Vietnamese technicians are quote quote like talking about their clients 
in front of them in their own language. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it's not the case. And I, I just wonder, wonder why people think that way. I think, I think maybe it, well, one, I've, I agree with you. Um, most of the time, um, I've gone to nail salons and I don't really hear them talk crap about people. And I can understand good enough yeah. Vietnamese. But also, too, this is probably horrible, but a lot of times they don't recognize that I'm of Vietnamese descent because I'm not full mm-hmm. Vietnamese. So a lot of times they'll just talk amongst each other and in Vietnamese and not realize that I understand. But when I do it, I don't do it to be shady, but I do it because sometimes I just want to relax and I don't mm-hmm. really want to talk. And I feel like if they know that I speak the language, they'll talk to me more, which sometimes I do because, you know, you know, people are human and people want to talk. But I do notice that a lot of times people aren't they they're not talking crap about their customers and like you said it's I think it comes from being self-conscious of not understanding what the nail techs are saying maybe and there is I don't know why do you think there's this this thing I I think it's because yeah I don't really understand I'm like trying to think of something but you said for the most part in your experience the techs aren't really talking about the customers amongst each other you know like it's kind of like working in a cubicle next to your friend. And yeah, and you're sense. just making small talk while you're working. <laughs> but I know sometimes it's not appropriate because what we mentioned earlier, how people, this is their relaxation time. They don't want to hear people talk, I guess, especially in another language, which they can't understand. Um and I know, like, certain owners of salons will make it a huge rule to, like, have their workers not even talk in their own native language at work. That's pretty intense. I, I think I've seen some sort of thing about that yeah, before. Yeah, and it's, it's awful. Like, imagine being at work and not being able to wow. communicate. <laughs> I don't I think I could do either. that. If- I work in an office job now and and I feel like when I don't talk for a while, which I kind of like, even then I start to feel like, okay, I need to talk to somebody, you know, I've been silent for too long. That's awful to, to, at the expense of other people to silence your workers because you don't want your patrons. Exactly. It's crazy how like some owners and like bosses, they, they recognize that the clients feel uncomfortable and that that they make their workers like do that and it's just sad i think that's really sad oh you mentioned mail oh my gosh have you have you ever like experienced something like that where maybe you were assigned a mail to like do your pedicure and you kind of felt uncomfortable um no i mean most places i've gone to were uh women Mm -hmm. nail techs but i think i've had male a male nail tech before it's just pretty rare for me but i don't personally feel weird about it yeah i think it is rare that like someone will speak up about it but there have been like certain instances where a customer will be like hey when they first walk in they'll be like hey i do not want a male and of course i'm not going to question it yeah serious and of course i don't want to like say why but inside inside my head i'm like why (laughs) is it is it because like some sort of like personal like trauma or maybe you're like 
Which you know can it, that yeah. could be a thing. Yeah, I mean that's totally valid. And is it like, is it just like this inherent thing like women have? Like I don't want men to touch me because you know, it's just I don't know you because it's like out of fear. That could be a thing too. Yeah, I've actually never noticed that. And I mean, I never worked in the nail industry, but I've been in nail salons a lot. I have. N- I've never seen that. So you're saying it happens pretty often in your experience? I think it happens. Um, I'm not going to say it happens often. Well, it is kind of rare. Sometimes people won't say anything at all. And then I'll assign them a male because, you know, they go, go off like a turn basis. Oh, it's your turn to do. So then I'll yeah. assign a male because it's his turn. But then he gets turned down and he doesn't get to make his money. He gets skipped because a client is like, I don't want a male. <laughs> oh, that, that yeah. can be hard. I mean, because one, you don't know why they don't want a male. But two, like, it's funny because in the makeup in the makeup world where I came from, I actually experienced the opposite where someone comes up to the counter and they're like, oh, I want him to do my makeup. And it was a lot of times... Uh, not at all the time, but a lot of times, you know, I would get clients that only wanted the only guy working at the counter to do their makeup. Some Sometimes, actually not all male makeup artists are gay, but some of them are. And I don't know if it's just the stereotype too that, oh, gay men know style or, or fashion or he can do my makeup really well. Like, I don't know what mm-hmm. it was, but I actually experienced the opposite. And I thought that was interesting, too, because it made me feel bad, you know, like, hey, I'm a great I was a great artist. You know, I I thought I was pretty decent. You know, you you've never seen my work. You've never seen this guy's work, but you just want him. And do you think it could be like kind of like the um, female, straight female, gay male best friend like complex? Like they want that. Like they want to have that conversation. God, that's so like. That's awful. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point because it's it's accessorizing someone's sexuality. Like, oh, you know, I'm my gay best friend. I hate that yeah, phrase. I, I, I despise it. I don't. God, I have. You know, it's just, it's just like no, your gay best friend, your gay best friend is not like a purse that you put on yeah. and match with your outfit. No, like this is just your this is your friend. You know, it doesn't have to be your gay best friend. You know, I don't go and say, oh, this is my straight. Um, this is my straight cousin or this is my straight friend or hey let me introduce you to my straight sister yeah. like I, nobody says that you know it's and maybe you're right maybe they want that kind of best friend thing but it's interesting when you go to the nail world you've kind of seen the opposite yeah i think because like nails like especially pedicures is very like physical and there's like a rubbing and oh. there's massaging and this is like in massage par- parlors too. This this is seen both ways. I want a male because I want someone you know rough, and I want someone like to get my knots out. But then at the same time, there's women <laughs> or men I don't know um, who are like I don't want a male like person touching me at all because I just feel uncomfortable and like and I I yeah, think it stems from like women. Ugh, I hate to say this, but women fearing what men will do when they are touched by them it's true because you you really don't know and it, it's almost like you don't know how that other person is taking it you know you don't know if this person is 
just, you know, yes, this person's being professional or this person is acting like a professional, but is secretly getting off yeah. like, in their head. Like, oh, because um, I know feet can be a weird thing. I know there's people are yeah. super into feet, which not kink shaming, but it's not my thing. Like, I yeah. think feet are gross. Like, I don't care whose feet it is. It's like, so I always tip the pedicure people, someone who does my pedicure like extra because I think it's disgusting um, to touch people's feet. But like, yeah, what if some guy's rubbing on my feet and what if he's, what if he likes it? And, you know, maybe that's kind of going mm-hmm. through their head too, you know, like, because yeah. you don't know. Um, so I can see how somebody could be uncomfortable yeah. with that. Yeah, that's I wish it wasn't like where we think about their sex or like we don't see them for their skills I guess like as an artist like you said you 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 are a great artist makeup artist like maybe this lady was like a a great nail tech and this guy is also really good too but yet we see like I want a female because I feel more comfortable or like I want to I don't want a male because or I want a male because I want someone rough. Like, what? I- yeah, I actually, yeah, I felt that way at a massage. Actually, when you mentioned massage places, um, I've actually requested women before because I felt would feel more comfortable, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, because, you know, you're, you don't have a lot of clothes on and, you know, they are touching you and, you know, you don't know what's going through their head or, or what. But actually... One time I, I got a massage and it was a male. Either it was all they had or I didn't really care. And he was, and I said I wanted it um, hard pressure because I had a lot of knots to get out. And he was pressing, I felt like he was pressing on my mm-hmm. spine. And he was pressing really hard. And I was like telling him to stop and telling him like, ow, it hurts. And he was like laughing. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know if it was a language thing, like like a, a language barrier or something or something cultural that I wasn't understanding because, um, you know, he wasn't Vietnamese. So I don't know, you know, at all what he was thinking or not that I know what every Vietnamese person thinking, mm-hmm. but you know what I'm saying? It was um, it wasn't my culture. So I don't know kind of the, the vibe, yeah. you know, and I don't know if he was laughing because I told him I wanted like hard pressure and so he gave it to me like I don't know if he was like trying to prove his manliness to me and and he did and then so I couldn't handle it so he's superior like I don't know why he was laughing but I was in pain and I swear I was like jacked up for like two weeks because it he probably did something to me it really hurt he kept laughing I felt like yeah, he probably he kept using that that hard pressure until I really like I don't re- I don't even remember I blocked it out probably it was so yeah awful. And you know what? Like, okay, now that I'm thinking more into like this whole um uh female male like technician or artist thing, you know what? I've also seen male males who are getting pedicures who don't want males. Do you know what? Oh, male. Yeah, male. Oh, I so men coming in who don't want a, yeah. a male. Oh, okay. But why? <laughs> why is it okay for women to work on women? This is the. This is just. <laughs> <laughs> or like same with massages. Like, 
I noticed that like when I go to get a massage with my significant other, like a couple's massage, they we are assigned opposite sexes. So I will get a male and he will get a female. It's not so like okay. It would never and it's been like that like multiple times where I get a male and he gets a female. But why can't the male mm-hmm. massage the male? You know? Yeah. It reminds me of the Seinfeld episode. I don't know if you watch no, it. I you don't, don't huh? where there's this one episode where george goes and gets a massage and he ends up getting a male and he's like oh like he's kind of weirded out by it you know and um he's getting the massage and he's super uncomfortable and later on he's like telling his friends like i think it moved you know like he thinks he was getting aroused by (laughs) so we went through the whole episode just kind of like questioning like what is happening yeah. <laughs> so like maybe some people some people are just insecure like some males maybe i mean i can't speak for all men but that's that's interesting like huh you would think if a guy goes in to get yeah. a pedicure he would be like oh yeah give me the dude because he probably knows like how jacked up our dude's feet yeah. tend to be like i mean i'm not stereotyping men's feet yeah. but I mean, for the most part, I don't. I don't think guys have good. I agree. Feet. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and I've had like, okay, so I would, I would have it both ways. Where the customer who's a male, I'm sorry, hold up. The the technician who's a male, um, that I would assign to another male. Say, I'm not gonna do that guy's toes, or I'm not gonna do that guy's hands. Like, why? <laughs> he was like. He's like, I know how jacked up they're going to be. I'm not working on them. So there's just like, I don't know what you like. What is it? A double standard? What what do you call this? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> so if you were to give some advice to you know customers who would go and get their nails or pedicures, or what would you what would you say to help make their experience better, or make also the nail tech's experience yeah. better, or just to break down any of these stereotypes? Okay, so with the language barrier thing, I would suggest if there's something specific that you want, instead of saying it louder, thinking that that will make them understand what you're saying, maybe like go to the front desk and like ask them to translate. Because 90% of the time, the front desk person knows fluent English. So that's a good point. You know, or even bring a picture, right? I, I feel like mm-hmm. pictures kind of help, but even then, there's the whole expectation that okay my nail is going to look exactly like the picture it's not you can use the the picture as inspiration and just accept that it's going to be inspiration like not every place is gonna yeah right mimic exactly what was in the Mm -hmm. picture pictures help a lot um asking for a translation helps a lot uh just just be like just be nice be a good human being because these ladies and men (laughs) Who are nail technicians are scrubbing feet left and right day in day in day out this is their livelihood and it just sucks when they're being like treated mistreated, mistreated or like even tip horribly i guess but yeah i strongly like believe in tipping yeah me too and i don't know if that's just like us trying to support our own people like in I don't yeah. know even if I get like a haircut or something oh yeah I always always tip anybody who does a service um like hair mm-hmm. nails definitely so your tips would be 
Uh, don't be afraid to ask the front desk person to help with translation. Uh, be nice because these are humans and this is their livelihood. Like you said, they're scrubbing feet all day. Oh, you know what's funny? Um, sometimes I've I've gotten my nails done and I, I think I've done an okay job explaining what I wanted. But then it slowly starts to go south. And even though I'm not getting the nail design or whatever that I'm looking for, I still don't really say anything. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I've noticed I do that sometimes. Like, I feel oh. guilty almost. Oh. I feel guilty for trying to correct or saying, like, no, I don't really like this. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I just kind of smile and deal with it. That and... reminds me of another tip I have is to, like, you should speak up because most of the time these ladies, they don't mind. They don't mind, like, re- yeah, they don't mind fixing oh, really? it. Before it's done. So okay. if you ask when it's done, then it's done. <laughs> That's a really good tip because I there was a time where I was getting foil laid down. And I think I asked for like pink and blue, really cute colors. And then the next thing I know, she started adding red and green. <laughs> so it looked like Christmas and it wasn't Christmas at all. And it was just the foil was not like in a cute pattern. It was just looked like I cut pieces of foil and just glued them on it was pretty bad and she was like oh it's cute it's good I'm like oh no yeah (laughs) like maybe I'm just not looking at it through an artistic lens I don't know and I didn't like it but I didn't say anything and I just left and I didn't take it personal I just okay these are my nails for the next few weeks but yeah that's a good point Mm -hmm. bring up early on that you don't like something yeah and be nice about it so you were going to school at the same time you were working in nail salons on and off. Uh, what were you studying? Um, I was studying public health sciences. What would you normally do with that kind of major? Like, um, for for public health, you can you can go like in several routes. You can go the healthcare field, so you can go to you know medical school, pharmacy school, dental school. You can become a nurse or you can go more into like the political side public health policies and um, working for the government i know right now like what's super hot is like epidemiology infectious diseases people work for fda the cdc mm-hmm. and stuff like that or how do you feel like working in a nail salon helped you in your academic life or personal life or just yeah. working skills in so, general. So, I mean, I think it's great that I, like, got some experience um, so early on because I know some people don't even get, like, their first job until college, but I was working, you know, my junior year in high school. And that helped me develop, like, yeah. customer service skills. Like, I wasn't I, – I consider myself very, like, timid and I guess, like, <laughs> an introvert shy but you kind of have to you kind of have to like put yourself out there and have like that receptionist personality the very like oh hi welcome to you know bomb blah salon (laughs) yeah Um, and so that helped me with those skills and of course financially I was able to support myself through high school like I didn't have to ask my parents for like money to go to prom or like you know all that stuff and 
I definitely definitely like developed like a really thick skin just after all those years of like customers yelling to threaten to sue me and kids vomiting and people stealing from us um you know i think working in the beauty industry in general really gives you that thick skin that you're talking about i feel like if you can survive that you can probably survive a lot of pretty much anything you know and i i would imagine especially at a really young age that you started really helped build your confidence for just Working in like the beauty industry is, I would say it's as hard or even harder than like working in the food industry because, you know, people can be really rude and really mean when they're hungry. But if you fuck up the way that they look, they will go crazy. Like people will go nuts. Because <laughs> like they're so, like people well, are so, so even vain. Worse than- like they're so, like they want to look perfect and. And it's not just, like, the whole, like, being, like, vain, but also, like, people depend on getting, you know, their nails done or their eyelashes done and their hair done to, like, feel confident. And I totally understand if someone messes that up for you, you might not feel confident and you might not. So I totally understand. But it doesn't give anyone the right to be, like, a butthole. That's true, like. You know, like when I got those foils done and it was Christmas mm-hmm. colors outside of Christmas. I mean, yeah, you know, you just kind of live with it and, you know, treat people nicely. And yeah, it sounds like you really developed a thick skin and you learned how to deal with those situations. And and you kind of developed a sense of appreciation or you get to see both sides, I guess, as the customer and how, you know, how it is to be mm-hmm. a nail tech or you get to see how the what the nail techs put up with too, uh, or go through. You know, not I don't want to say put up with, but yeah. Go through. Thanks for coming on and being my <laughs> my guest. And you know, I you know I think this is a project that came out of quarantine. This is something that I've always been wanting to do. And thanks for yeah, thanks for having with me. me. This was a good talk and discussion i think that we talked about a lot of like controversial or i don't know like things that people normally don't think about when uh yeah yeah get their nails done right (laughs) yeah i agree well thanks for giving that other perspective and i hope this is valuable for both customers and Mm -hmm. nail techs that's a wrap (laughs) and cut thanks for joining today thank you for listening to episode one of swatch of horrors podcast don't forget to follow the podcast at swatch of horrors on instagram and twitter and if you're a beauty professional working in the industry and you have some horror stories that you want to share with me send me a dm on instagram or twitter and i just might read them on the show Don't forget to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to your favorite shows.